Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out. HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and once again, it is time for a fantasy basketball roundtable. This is a live show that we re-recorded on twitch.tv slash watching the boxes so if you'd like to watch the show go over to twitch.tv slash watching the boxes subscribe follow and every single wednesday at 10 p.m central you can watch a various group of fancy basketball experts talk about the state of fancy basketball and what's going on around the league i hope you enjoy and let's start the show all right what's up everybody we are live we are here with the one and only Mitch Casey from all the way from Australia. Is the middle of tomorrow, the future. Yes, yes, the future. Yeah. One o'clock over here on a Thursday afternoon. How are you, mate? Are you tired of uh, Americans making the joke that is the future in where you are? <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I don't speak to Americans too often, so you know, okay. it doesn't get tiring too yet. But, uh, but no, no, it's fine. It's all good. We're. Uh, we, uh, like we was talking before off air, it's um, it's a nice time to watch fantasy basketball. Well, I said basketball and uh, and talk fantasy sports over here in Oz. So uh, yeah, no, it is it is good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Like I said, the Bulls won. I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, it's been uh, I've actually started making some trades in a few of my leagues. So yep. um, it's it's starting to feel like a normal kind of uh, almost like the season's truly started, right? Because like the first week's a little hectic. Um, the second week is you're still trying to figure everything out, but I, I think we're here in the middle of week three is when you start feeling like you're getting a feel for, you know, the teams that are playing. And I think that's like under, under valued, right? It's like watching the games and watching how teams are playing and watching how players are playing, um, is, is pretty valuable until you get those reps until you get that sample size a little bit bigger um, you can't really tell, like, is Tyrese Maxey just not going to get the ball ever again because James Harden is uh, going for MVP or is, like, you know, is Paul George actually healthy? Like, all those things don't pan out until, like, week three, week four, week five. Yeah. Yeah, it's also, like, I mean, it's obviously very hard. There's so many games happening on all the time. It's hard to watch every game. But, obviously, you've got players that... Um, you might have more questions than than others, and and players who obviously there's there's a few things that have changed. So yeah, making sure you you're across those sort of things is is very valuable. Um, so yeah, it is. I, I agree. Week three, week one and two, I often sort of at least lose one of those weeks, and um, yes, just sort of in a filling out process, and I'm not making much streaming moves or anything like that because I just kind of want to see how my team is sort of settling in, and then. Uh, at the end of week three, I sort of have a good idea and then I can start to really attack my weaknesses and, and, and yeah, do sort of things and moves. Like I said, trades, if I, if I need that, think there's a good trade out there, I'll, uh, I'll start doing that sort of around this time. Um, most of the leagues I'm in, I'm not usually able to get those like crazy buy low uh, panic trades that people uh, sometimes can pull off in their leagues. But um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like see, sometimes see I'm not terribly good at telling people, um, you know, here's the guys who you should be targeting. Here's the guys who are sh- or, or buy low candidates. Um, 
simply because I'm never going to get them, right? Like a lot of my leagues that I'm in, people are savvy enough to go, eh, yeah, I know what you're doing here. Like, uh, no, thank yeah. you. Right. So it, there's some obvious, like, you know, if, well, actually I would say this one's a little less obvious and we might as well talk about it since we're talking about buy low candidates. Uh, but I do want to talk about like strategy in week three as well. Um, is Kawhi Leonard a buy low candidate? Because like obviously his value is incredibly low, but then there's so much risk around him for mm. the rest of the year. We got to remember it's been like seven games. Like it's hasn't been. It's been no time whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's obviously like it's someone that we had concern coming into the season. Um, the concern has by no means been alleviated. In fact, it's probably been worsened. Um, at least for where I was at, I thought he would be playing more games and more minutes by now. Like I didn't yes. see the come off the bench thing happening at all. That kind of blindsided me a little bit. It's not something we saw in preseason either. Um, just the fact that he, you know, he's seeking different opinions and not with the team for stretches. It, it does definitely concern me. Um, if it, It's a hard situation because I don't think that you're going to get fair value in a trade um, if I'm the person who has Kawhi. I've seen people ask me questions like, okay, should I should I trade Kawhi Leonard for Tobias Harris? I just want someone who's safe and solid and that I can trust. And in that situation, I say absolutely no to the person who has Kawhi Leonard. But if you're able to do that with like someone like a Brooke Lopez or someone like a Tobias Harris, these safe, boring players, um, and you can get a Kawhi Leonard because that person who's got him just wants something um, safe and secure because yes. they're sick of the Kawhi Leonard. They want a, a player who and, plays basketball. Is, that's kind of what they're looking <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I say do it. Like if you can get a guy who's a top 10 per game, take that risk and all you have to give up is a player like that. Who I, those kind of guys are going to be sort of around that 100 mark, 90 to 100 mark then. The upside is is 100, 100% worth the punt. If it doesn't work out and he, he sits, you know, 60 games this season, then like, yes, it sucks. You've lost a little bit, but you haven't completely lost your season. You, you can make up for that. Um, I guess the worst part would be that, that Kawhi you know, doesn't play, but you didn't draft him in, in the second or third round. Um, you've only given up sort of a, a ninth or tenth round guy. So, yeah, for me, I think that that is definitely worth the punt. Yeah, I would agree so with I guess, you. Is, uh, that, I, is that a buy low? I guess it's... I guess I, it I is a buy low. A it's a buy low if you have the um, the risk tolerance, I think. Um, and I think that it kind of leads back into kind of the question about like how you're evaluating your team, right? I'm certainly the original sin is selling low. So like, I'm not selling Kawhi Leonard. I have Kawhi Leonard on a couple of my teams and I'm sitting there, um, definitely lost, uh, last week with a Kawhi Leonard yeah. as one of my kind of focal points. I mean, I spent a, th- I think a third round pick on him, which is, I'd say high. Um, and then Beverly and another should, should have been going in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a fair price because he currently is after playing two games at 21 minutes per game uh on a nine cat uh, according to hashtag basketball the 100th and 10th player he is a standard league relevant player per game at 21 minutes not a third round player but uh, at least something that's not a net like complete garbage zero right um it's uh, he's just too damn good to not take a chance on it. I think if your team is kind of weird right now, if you're, if you don't like your team, this is kind of like a, if you want to make a early game changing move, buying low on Kawhi Leonard could be one of those early game changers. Uh, but if I have a really, I think I would only do it if I had my, if, if I look at my team 
And that's kind of what I want to talk about is like we, when you're looking at week three, starting to get a feel for your team, you're starting to get a feel for what players what in your league are good. How is your team compared to the rest of the league, right? And if I'm looking through my team, and I always like to have at least one, if not two, completely expendable players, right? Um, mm. And I think it's um, if you don't, it's time to start trying to do trades. It's time to start start doing two for ones, trying yeah. to like move up a little bit because I want to be able to stream. I want to be able to hit the waiver wires. Um, and when it comes to like uh, building the team and looking forward into the future, right? If my team is pretty damn good, there, what's the harm in having Kawhi Leonard on there, um, trying to finagle him into into your into your squad? Uh, because like kind of the worst case scenario is that he's hanging out in your IR, right? Yeah, like I think, yeah, especially if you've got IR, you can just store him there. I think like those two for one trades, uh, like they're awesome. And and the more shallow your league is, um, the better that those two for one trades are. Um, I think when I first, well, not when I first started playing, but when I was playing a lot of like my hometown leagues and stuff like that, that was always my my thing as I was trying to get, to get one really good player for two not so good players. So then I can get some streaming value on the waiver wire. If there was a guy that I saw that I really liked that people weren't quite woken up to that player yet, then I'm trying to improve my roster and then still grab someone decent off the wire. So I think that that's, that's a good, good way to go about it. Um, it gets a bit harder when you go into deeper leagues or if you've got shallower um, shallower like uh, starting roster spots. So I think like you're in the the Pro 20 league, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we've got we've got five starters in that team and only three players on our bench. And in a team like that, I know I look at my team and I don't want to drop any of my players. Um, so yeah. I haven't made any moves in that team yet, but uh, starting to get a few injuries pile up. Um, Gordon Hayward just went down. So it's like... In that scenario, I'd be trying to make like a two-for-one trade so I can go and try and get those guys like a bowl bowl that I wasn't really on my radar or those guys that could be found gold uh, and just trying to tr- improve the the starting guys that I'm going to have out there every night. Yeah, I think no matter what league you're in, even in, in, in an incredibly shallow league and you're looking at your team and going, like kind of like you're saying, it's like, man, I got a bunch of guys I don't want to get rid of. It's like, to me, that is a a negative for a team build, right? Um, like, you want to be able to, and I think we're getting uh, joined here by B-Dub himself. Um, He's coming in. So, yeah, we'll hear him in a second. But, yeah, I think if you aren't able to finagle or drop somebody or pick somebody off the waiver, like a bubble who shows up out of nowhere, like um davian mitchell if De'Aaron fox is out right um then you're at a you are at a disadvantage um no matter how shallow the league so if you're looking at your team like like for this particular league you're going i don't want to drop any of these players right and that does take evaluating the entire league it's like am i dropping someone will that person immediately get picked up it's a shallow league if i'm not if i'm not dropping anybody you're not dropping anybody then I guess that person is droppable. Like if I'm not going to pick up the guy that you end up dropping, but yeah, yeah, you got to evaluate your league. Yeah, well, I was going to say like, but if insane I, that, like if it's a if it's a twenty team league and you've got full roster spots different to our like FBI Pro uh, league, yeah. then the guys you are streaming off the waiver wire will influence your team a lot less than the guys that you're streaming off the waiver wire in a twelve team league. So 
I do think it does change it a little bit, mm. but in saying that, it, it is good to to well at least at least a hundred percent know who your worst player is and know yes. exactly how you value them so that you can make that switch if, if necessary. Don't get necessarily too attached. Um, you know, on Twitter, I've made it very known that I love Trey Murphy. I think he's a really, really good player. But in that, you know, FBI Pro League, uh, I know that he is still probably my worst player. And if someone came along that I really liked, I'm okay to make that switch. Um, no one I've liked so far has been good enough to make that switch yet, but um, I still know that for me, he is probably my worst player. Uh, and that, yeah, I, I'm evaluating him still as that as that kind of player. Yeah, I think that makes hey, sense. Hey, how are you, man? Good day, guys. How's it going? What's up, man? Thanks for making good, it. Man. Um, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you boys about um a guy that I'm getting a lot of questions about right now okay. whilst we're kind of on the topic of bylaws and uh, your thoughts on a player. I was really high on him. Jabari Smith Jr. Um, uh, stunk it up today. Stunk it up uh, last game, uh, two days ago, I think it was. Um, what's your guys' level of panic or concern about him and his value? And uh, are you guys getting people asking you to, whether or not you're dropping him or not? Or, or what's your thoughts, I guess, and panic levels for Jabari? I said, BW, just join, go right ahead. Thanks, mate. Yeah, look, with Jabari, I think I view him as uh, similar to like a lot of rookies or second year guys that are expected to have breakouts. If it just really depends on your league setting. So if you're playing kind of like in a 20 uh, team league and six teams are making finals, you can't really afford to wait, um, you know, to just hold on to him indefinitely. Uh, whereas if, like in some of the leagues I play in, you know, it's a 12-team league and eight teams are making finals, you, like you kind of expect with these rookies and, and these kind of breakout candidates that they're not necessarily going to do that in the first part of the season. You're really hanging out for that second part of the season. So I'd put like Atari Eason in that category as well, someone else that I'm holding on to despite like relatively hollow-looking box scores. So I guess uh, as far as Jabari is concerned, I wouldn't say I'm upset or disappointed. I never really had a high expectation that he was going to come out of the gates, like firing away and being a, you know, like a top 50, top 80 guy. It's more of the slow burn with him. So, um, yeah, if you can afford to hang on and your season's not in jeopardy, you know, even in this early stages and you still think you can scratch into finals, like keep him at the end of the, your bench. Uh, but if your league's a bit more aggressive in terms of, uh, you know, making that final cut, uh, you know, maybe explore a trade or even consider uh, a drop at some point. I, personally, I try and hold on as long as possible in these situations, but I have learned over the years that sometimes you just got to be ruthless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had him pretty high. Like, I, I did have the expectation that he could be a, a top 60 guy. I think I had him ranked um, probably around that 60 mark. I think the thing for me compared to a player like Eason is he's getting the minutes. He's um he's out there playing thirty minutes a night, so he has the opportunity that you're not necessarily waiting for. He's just shooting shit. He's just um he just can't hit the can't get the ball in the basket. Um, and if uh, and if you go over by Basketball Monsters uh, punt rankings, if you punt field goal percentage, he's the 88th ranked player. Um, he's still doing basically. Uh, obviously scoring less than we, we would hope because he's missing a lot of shots, but uh, you know he's still he's still not being horrible if you are in that punt field goal percentage build, which we which we knew he's a three point shooter. He's not gonna he's not gonna um, you know be a good field goal percentage guy. But I am uh, I had him high. 
it's it's getting to the point where I'm starting to doubt myself, but I still am holding strong. But yeah, just wanted to get your guys' opinion as well. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's as always, and I think that's one of the um, biggest difficulty of kind of like giving advice to um, really anyone is that it's it's completely dependent on your team, right, and your team build up. And I go in these particular cases, like I go for upside, right? What is this dude's actual upside? Uh, you know, it's he's he's a scorer. He can get rebounds. He can get blocks. The blocks are kind of key to me. The threes and blocks that is upside. That is that is positive upside. And then the second thing I look at is minutes played. Um, is this guy actually playing, or is he just kind of hanging around? Uh, and he's starting to lose the faith of the coach, lose the faith of the team. And right now, like like you're saying, he's shooting like shit, which all all the um, means usually revert back to normal, right? I don't think he's going to be this bad of a shooter um over the long term you got to remember it's like what three six eight games that's not a lot it's not a lot of games at all. it's two the two and a half weeks right um the minutes are still positive so for now and that makes me want to keep um a guy like uh jabari because and but if even if the minutes are good if they're if he was worse than this if his upside was kind of like not as expected like not expecting to be like a top 50 top 60 top 70 player if his upside wasn't even close to being that high i think i would have already moved on from him but i think mm-hmm. he has the playing time and he has the upside and to me just hold like i don't think you're drowning at this point in in your season right it's, it's only week three yeah and go back to buying low like I, i've been telling people go throw out your your last couple of players, like do that two for one trade. See if you can get, you know, uh, a couple of guys who are playing really well at the moment um, and, and and see if you can get him snagged because people, people are panicking a lot and uh, people hate this guy because he can't hit a shot. Can't throw the rock in the ocean. Uh, he's yeah. So I, I, I still think he's a buy low. Um, yeah. I guess on the broader thing, it's sort of uh, testing my resolve in a player that I was really high on uh, when they do come out sucking, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you guys do when when you have a, a really strong conviction on a player and it's it's sort of not going not going that way early? Like how how long before you guys uh, sort of change your mind on a player into the season? Obviously, we're still early now, but yeah, how long how long does it take? I swear, uh, for the most part, I'm like a year too early on like every like really like kind of deeper like young sleeper yeah. guys. Like I'm like. All right, cool. So now that I know that I'm like maybe a year or two early on certain players, I'm kind of like, all right, maybe you should relax and not hold out faith for some of these guys who are under the age of 20, right? Um, but for me in a in a redraft league or in a regular season, it's it's about opportunity cost. What am I lo- what am I losing on the waiver wire um by waiting? And the answer is in the first couple weeks a lot. Um, I, I think there was a handful of players, uh, particularly, um, you know, Bull Bull, if uh, Matheson was uh, available on your waiver wire, if someone didn't draft him, which I think a lot of people were. Um, I think there was quite a bit of opportunity cost, and there usually is in the first two weeks. And so I, if I have a s- strong, strong conviction on a guy, I'll try to find an older player who's kind of like solid, but mediocre, like a a consummate 100 player or a consummate 110 player to drop for those other guys. But if push comes to shove, right? Uh, someone like Jabari Smith might it just not, he might just be too young. Like it just might not be his year. 
and um the leash gets i would say gets thin after i would say a good three or four weeks i would say is a good sample size to go all right something's not clicking here something's not working Mm. yeah okay personally i'll just try and stick with my convictions i think like looking back over the last you know 10 15 years the the regrets are when you don't stick to your convictions you know what i mean it's like ah i rated that guy i drafted him and then i just dropped him too early and that you're going to kick yourself but then looking back uh on the season you you draft the guy it doesn't really work out early yeah you hold on to him you know a month or two longer than you should and then you drop the guy you, you don't really have that regret later so i tend to just uh i just tend to stick with my convictions for as long as possible but maybe that's why i'm losing 5-4 to you in the uh in the fbi pro 20. <laughs> oh yeah the pro 20. oh and rosier i think i had in my starting lineup today instead of mike conley which uh yeah annoyed about that but that's all good still lots to go still lots to play for that'll do it um Vita, we were talking about this a little bit earlier you're sitting here in week three. You're, it's probably a good time to evaluate your team, right? Um, what are you looking for uh, on your team and in your league like at this current moment, in the middle of week three, headed into week four? You know, what's kind of your strategy going into the beginning, of the, uh, the beginning of the season now that you have a sample size? Um, well, what I'm, what I'm looking at, first of all, you, you want to have a look at where you're sitting in, in terms of your record. That seems pretty obvious, but, um, you know, if you've, if you've lost a week, well, why did you lose a week? Was there, was there an injury or something like that? Like, did you, did you draft a Kawhi Leonard? Did you draft a Chris Middleton or, or, uh, Darius Garland who's been out? Like, are those key guys a part of your rotation? Uh, have they missed time? And that's what's caused you to, to fall behind. And maybe you've lost assists where you probably otherwise, otherwise would have come out ahead if you had a Darius Garland. And so sort of understanding why you're losing if you are losing in the early parts of the season. And on the other side, you know, if you're winning and beating these teams, but they're missing some of these guys, sometimes it can give you a false sense of, um, oh, yeah, I'm crushing, I'm cruising it. So maybe I can take my foot off the gas and those kind of things. So I think also being understanding on who's in, who's out, who's coming back. Uh, is a good way to evaluate it. And then also what I'd like to do, probably more so further into the season once you've had a matchup, at least with like every team in the in the roster, but you can start doing it now is I actually like to do a weekly, um, you check out all your stats and instead of just comparing it to the player, you, the team you're versing that week, compare it to every other manager in, in your league. And so, okay, I would have beat this team 6-3. I would have beat this team 5-4. I would have lost to this team three, six, and sort of know which categories come up the most as the, um, the ones that uh, your, your key uh, ones that you've got to focus in on. Maybe, you know, your, your steals, your 50-50 against the league, and that's where you can focus on streaming or whatever the case may be. So that's, that's what I've always done in the past. Um, it's still a little early for that now, but it's about time where I start to do those kind of things. Yeah, for me, it's really about being opportunistic. So, um, you know, we touched on before, or you did, uh, Mike, about, uh, you know, like those players that kind of show something early, like a Bol Bol or a Matherin or whatever, um, you know, trying to jump on those players during these first few weeks uh, and get them on your roster, even if they don't fit your build. 
Uh, but similarly, um, you see also during these first few weeks, people, you know, like panic dropping players. So like in my home league, someone dropped um, Ivy when he got injured the other oh day. Um, yeah, I didn't manage to, and this is like a pretty high level league as well. I didn't manage to pick him up. Uh, I was too far down on the waiver wire order. Uh, and I burnt my waiver wire order on Derek White after his big game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just looking to be as opportunistic as possible and fill my rosters with, uh, like, upside and production. Um, and then I can figure out um, kind of the things that um, <clears throat> that we were talking about earlier, like, you know, statistical profiles and stuff later. So, um, you know, I've got a couple of teams where I'm punting blocks, rebounds uh, and field goal percentage. Uh, but I've got bowl bowl on all three of those rosters now. And I'm not, and I, in a couple of them, I didn't lose blocks last week. So, um, you know, I'm just getting those guys on the roster uh, and I'm not necessarily as focused on winning every game. So there's a couple of leagues where there's a prize for finishing top of the regular season standings. That's slightly different. But in most leagues where it's just, you know, top six or top eight make finals, I'm not too stressed about finishing first or second, you know, as long as I'm in that finals mix and I've kind of got my dream team together um, by the time that finals rolls around or before the trade deadline or whatever, uh, I'm pretty happy. So, yeah, get the talent on the team. Uh, don't worry about build too much in these early stages for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very not worried about, like, the second half of the season. I think a lot of people forget how long the NBA season gets. It's, we're not even in – we're barely into November – um and the really i think a lot of seasons are one in like in that in that most boring part of the nba season that january february heading into all-star break kind of the doldrums of the middle of the season because that's where the kind of the flip happens right maybe we're talking about this a little too early right but that flip of teams who were competing stop competing and they start playing some of their younger guys right and that's kind of what you're talking about you know how long do you wait on these younger guys um you might be waiting a really really long time and if you haven't set yourself up right now to uh be in a playoff race uh like that's that's not going to suddenly happen just because you were you were waiting on some of the some of these rookies in in the middle of the season right so um i think it's it's a really really long season and right like you're saying right now i couldn't agree more is like exploit panic um look for opportunities and then you know start making your team as solid as humanly possible like i'm sure there's a handful of players you kind of have on your team that you're like not worried about this guy he's gonna be on the team for the rest of the year i'm not even gonna look at him i'm not even gonna look at his lines i don't care but then there's another handful of t guys where you're like why am i questioning this player on my team do i need him do i want him no matter how you know how good or bad they are or where you drafted them right you got to start asking yourself that question probably right now what do I plan on doing with this guy? And then like kind of game plan that out. Yeah. I think it's also a good time for you to like, you've got, a, a, I think enough data now or, or starting to get enough data now to know how strong you are in your punt builds, whether or not some categories are recoverable from. Like I know in the, um, I think it's the lockdown fantasy basketball bowl. The team I drafted was a punt, uh, basically a punt field goal percentage rebound and block team, similar to what, what you said before, beat up and, um, but I, at the end of my draft, I drafted Brooke Lopez. I drafted Santi Aldama. I think I drafted a few other guys late as bigs. 
And um, I'm 2-0 and and probably going to be going 3-0 and in blocks so far at the moment. So, And I've got Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, on my IR spot. So oh, nice. it's, a, it's a category that I wasn't really focusing on in the draft, but it turns out that I might actually be pretty competitive, at least in this league at the moment. So it's a, it's a time where I start to go, okay, well, maybe I'm pivoting my strategy a little bit, evaluating my players on a slightly different build, um, and then using that to um, maybe make some move where I wasn't really... Uh, maybe I valued someone uh, not so good because I was ignoring his blocks, but maybe, maybe now I want to start to get those blocks because it actually turns out that I'm, I'm not too bad in that category. So I think it's it's about that time where you can start to at least entertain the idea of pivoting if you need to, if you can get a good deal and, and, and execute a buy low. Like you said, just getting the talent on your, on your team and um, yeah, figuring the rest out later. I'm running the same punt strategy in the in the locked on fantasy bowl and it, it is working well, but I'm running with zero centers. Oh no. <laughs> okay. How's that going? Okay, yeah. Going good. Yeah, I think I'm twenty-third overall at the moment. And I lost last week five four on uh uh because of that goddamn uh game game cap limit. Oh man, that got me too. I lost Kyrie's game against uh what the one he went bananas. I didn't get that oh, one. Oh. And, uh, I was gonna win uh I was gonna win seven two eight one. Um and then, yeah, 38 games on the nose after Saturday. And, um, yeah, the, the guy beat me 5-4. It was, uh, it was a shame. After I've been preaching everyone to know your league settings <laughs> and uh, that's the most basic way to win your league. And, uh, yeah, I make the uh, the number one mistake. <laughs> it is yeah. a weird It is a weird league. I'm not used to that uh, weekly games cap. Yeah. yeah I'm Josh like always a- has had that, like, for the last, yeah, since I can remember. Uh, and he's the only guy that I know that institutes that outside of Roto. So. Yeah, and I respect that, actually. I, I think one of the th- reasons I um, I actually am more attracted to a Roto League than a head-to-head league by a lot, right? It's not just because I'm so old I've been playing a very long time, and that was the original setting on Yahoo Sports. It's because the um, that, that ability to just play more games than the other person um, just kind of lends to uh, people who kind of exploit that waiver wire system and, or just are paying more attention than other people. Right Um, now I pay a lot of attention, so that's fine. But like it, it kind of levels the playing field in a head to head. And I, I don't know. I, I I kind of agree with a a weekly games go. Yeah, I think it also, yeah, I think it does make it a bit fairer and, and in a large scale competition like that, I think that that's, yeah, that's, I guess, what he was going for. So, yeah, just the whole a different thing element. There is, like, save your waiver wire picks for the end of the week. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm yeah. loading up on those guys on the Sunday. Yeah, I think it's a low volume Sunday this week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's a weird week and next week's even weirder. There's, uh, with the uh, US elections, no, no games being played on on Tuesday in week four. So it's, um, these are, okay. I'm kind of saying this week and next week, I, um, whatever happens, happens, right? I'm not going to take my results. Currently I'm like getting just smoked in most of my head to head leagues. And I don't know if it's just a, a games played situation or whatever, but, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about those individual, like you're saying, those individual week to week finishes. I'm more interested in that trend. You know, am I, you know, looking at the rest of the league, Am I am I competitive uh, in a in a top third type of way? Um, will I win most five four uh, at the, at minimum matchups? And then if not, what am I going to do with that? Because I think a lot of people already are 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 kind of they're getting a little antsy to make a move, right? And that's why I've already mm-hmm. committed some of some trades uh, in a few leagues that I'm in. 
and a lot of people just go off the standings the current standings and we're still like it's still a very small sample size even though it's getting larger um and they go well my team's bad at points i need more points right and i think that's very exploitable yeah I was actually going to make uh, that comment I made about leaving your, your your waiver ads to the end of the week. I also think that's important um, during the first like couple of the weeks of the season because, you know, as we were discussing before, you get the panic drops, you get the, the gems in the rough. And if you've got no waiver ads, like yeah. you, you're, going to miss, you're going to miss those too. So, um, yeah, that bit me uh, in a couple of leagues where we've got two pickups per week. So I learned that lesson every year. Yeah, I definitely, especially the first month of the season, I'm always keeping at least one ad until that Sunday. Uh, don't want to burn it up if there is an opportunity to grab someone. Um, yeah, because I think that early on streaming, I'm not not super into it unless I've got like you know, just junk on the end of my roster. But even then, I'm still keeping at least one ad um, for the for the Sunday. You guys got like a best waiver wire ad. Um... Over the last couple of weeks, off a panic drop, I'll, I'll go first. Um, Dynasty League, guy dropped 16-team uh, Dynasty League. Guy dropped Sohan after, like, the first week where he had, like, not much in the box score. And, you know, like, my team's, like, right up at the top and this other guy's team's, like, two-thirds of the way down. Uh, don't know what he was thinking, but, yeah, picked him up for eight bucks in fab. I think, uh, I think my favourite so far is uh, Dennis Smith Jr. in our 30-deep league. Um, oh, man. I was pretty... Pretty happy to get him. I got him straight away after the draft had finished. Um, and, uh, yeah, used him twice so far in, in three weekly lineup locks. So pretty happy with that one. It's, I guess it's not really a waiver, but it was after the draft, so I did have to claim him. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty. I, I didn't even know he was on the Hornets until, uh, until like, <laughs> you know, watching the first game of the season. So, uh, yeah, good. I missed the preseason ad, but I got him in FBI 20, so. Yeah, he's, oh, looking, nice. he's looking fantastic. Um, yeah, actually, it's, it's a little bit of a shallower league, so we're not rostering uh, as much as the standard league is. We're probably rostering about one, uh, about 130, 140, so it is kind of a shallower league, but someone uh, dropped Tobias Harris, and I was like, well, that seems strange. I, he's kind of a slow start or whatever, but uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a notorious Tobias Harris hater, and uh, <laughs> I would immediately snatch him up. So yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for me to say that, that's. Oh, I. Uh, I'm actually the reverse. I'm a bit as, as a roto guy. I am a Tobias Harris, uh, Stan. I think he is the most boring, absolutely, the most boring, top fifty-five player in the league. Yeah, I don't know about don't this know if year. He's be top fifty this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's he's on his way out, right? But yeah. he just slowly over time, like I'm gonna have to go look it up now. Now that I'm talking talking shit about uh my good friend well, Tobias well, Harris. Point, while you're looking him up, like I think like in terms of a meta trend, I, I reckon like over the first like five ten years of playing fantasy, um, the way to get really like strong value in drafts was to kind of go against the uh, like the new player, up and coming player, breakout candidate hype, and kind of take that Dan Besbra's approach where you kind of like drafting the boring old guys, you know, like maybe 10, 15 spots down from where they're projected. But I reckon like after the bubble and the long layoff that we had, that that trend really reversed. And then, you know, last season and this season, 
uh, well, particularly last season, and I think it's going to be the same for this season, it's we're really seeing the way to win your leagues is by hitting on like three, two or three like young upcoming overperformers. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting the way that that's timed with like that kind of extended break that we had and the, the COVID periods. Was, I reckon that there's been a bit of a reversal on the way to approach uh yeah like player ages veterans and so on i think we kind of at the end of a end of an era the start of a new one as far as the nba is concerned oh certainly i think yeah go ahead oh sorry i was just gonna say i think that coincides with the increased load management that we're seeing across the nba and and obviously we don't see that as much uh with the younger guys but then again you've got the threat of tanking which um sometimes i think is overblown but obviously can be real on some teams and um Again, it's different for Roto head-to-head when your playoffs are, so you've always got to take those things into account. But yeah, I think I've always generally been a bit more inclined to take that younger guy, but also knowing when the limit is and knowing when the line is to go, okay, well, no, this guy's just falling too far. Um, he's boring or whatever. Like I've got Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul in, in a couple of leagues just because they just fall too far. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just about knowing what your line is for me but yeah i'm more more tending towards to go the, the fun exciting route if i if i can yeah i mean i i think it's a testament to name recognition right there's a lot more people talking about fantasy basketball and there's a lot more people yeah. who know who tobias harris is right there's a lot more people who know who uh jared allen and herb jones and who all these kind of uh different players are and how actually quality uh, of a player they are Tobias Harris by the way last year in totals uh the 39th best player in nine cat so like you know like that data is readily available people have it they know that and they go all right Tobias Harris boring as hell but if you if I care about percentages I'm in a roto league right he's a little bit more valuable and I think people pay attention and I, I also think like the league has never been more talented and it continues to get more talented, and you can't really kind of go with the, oh, these young guys are going to take a handful of years to blow up. They're not taking a handful of years to blow up. They're not taking until they turn 24, 25, 26 to blow up. They're blowing up um, almost immediately, and I just think there's an incredible amount of young talent in the league uh, that you have to pay attention to. So I think I think that both of those factors help with that shift that you're talking about. But yeah, I... I I haven't thought about that shift in in that kind of uh, way, but I think that's a really good point. What do you What do you guys think's been the the biggest surprise so far for for this year? Something that you just was not on your radar that's happened that surprised you? Josh Primo being cut. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that, I I literally thought the shams was hacked that morning. Like I I genuinely thought that that was when it just was. Uh, uh, Josh Primo has been waived by the Spurs. I, I thought it was a joke. I honestly thought that. Yeah, it was like, is it April 1st? Yeah, I, I checked the date and everything. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Uh, yeah, that was that definitely got a, a verbal uh, shock gasp out of me. Yeah, I had to go do... Well, like, we can circle back to this question after we go through what, what shocked us this season, but I'd be keen to hear what you guys think about Primo and Bridges uh, in Dynasty Leagues when we, when we get around to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... Like that one, I literally, I had to like go on a deep dive. Like I had to stop what I was doing and uh, I actually had to go on a deep dive uh, to see if that was, if that was factual and that was real. Cause I was like, Ooh, he should be picked up uh, by any team, including the bulls that I found out why he got like, I was like, never mind, He should not be picked up by, 
anyone at all. Um, I'm more shocked that these tanking teams aren't tanking. Like Larry Markin is plenty of time for that. Looks really good. Fantasy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. And, but like, well, well, well more. I think I'm, a, um, I think I'm going to be shocked. Cause like, it's still too small of a sample size. I think the top, 30 top 40 is going to be drastically different this year like, i think so yeah i like From last year or, or to what we expected to what we expected maybe it's going to have uh, some of the similar players but i think those that order is going to be very very different for me it's like the performance of the nets the sixes and to a lesser extent the lakers like that's the more so than the Jazz, uh, you know, like, you know, having a, and the OKC having a, like a cracking start to the season. It's more the inverse, how those top rated teams are just shitting the bed, to excuse my French. Oh, that's yeah. fine. No, that, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bit shocked by this, the Nets. Like, I knew that there was, it kind of seemed like there was good vibes. Uh, like, they were, they were terrible towards the end of the season, but like in training camp preseason, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, things are going okay. And then, it, when real basketball started, it, it just went completely south very quickly. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm pretty surprised by that too. Yeah, I, I, my, my biggest thing is... Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I knew the Lakers were absolute garbage, but yeah, the Nets, oh, for I, sure. And like, I think that situation's just only going to get worse. And like, I don't know, like we could talk about that if you'd like, but what to do with Brooklyn is definitely something I'm keeping in my radar. You reckon yeah, it's going to get worse? Oh. Yes, I do. I absolutely do. Um, I don't yeah. think they're going to start winning more games, right? Like they're going to win some, right? They're a very talented team, right? But uh, there's, there's think, the vibes are off there. Like they're not playing at a high level. Do you think trades are coming? Like trades, absolutely. shutdowns. I think changes. If if it was fantasy, I'd be hitting up the Nets. You know, every couple of days. <laughs> yeah. You want to get yeah, rid of? Yeah, they're at all time low. They're, they're yeah. a buy low organization. Yeah, I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep Kyrie around, and I don't know how long Katie's going to want to be around. He didn't want to be there anyway, right? Um, it, uh, it's all going to matter if they win games, and if they can't, like I don't know, play uh, aggressive and focused basketball, then they're not going to win games. Yeah, simple. Yeah, as it's that. a tough one. It's a tough one, and it's a tough one to know what to do fantasy wise. I don't know if there's much you can do. I think you just kind of. I don't know. I, I think I think Ben Simmons is, is going to be okay. I think he's going to be fine. Um, he looks shit right now, but like he's still he's still giving you like seven rebounds, seven assists, and nearly a steal and a half. Um, the field goal percentage is probably the most surprising thing, but you know his airballed layups uh, are hopefully going to turn into makes, and um, I think that will be enough to get him back up to sort of the top fifty punt free throw guy. But um, yeah, I think the rest of those guys. Uh, like I don't know. Like, are you, are you selling high on Kyrie Irving? Like, I, I've got him a couple of leagues in the second round. Um, I'm pretty happy with his his production so far. I'm not really looking to move on him with any threat of the Nets just doing something silly. I, I, I'm sort of just sitting on it. I don't think there's much really you can do about it. Um, same with KD. I mean, if you look at the like the numbers, right? So they're about 15th in the league in offensive rating, and they're. 30th in the league in defensive rating. And their bench is terrible. Real key, right? Yeah. So, so really, like, if they're going to turn it around, it's it's not going to be on the offensive side. That's fine. It's, you know, even with Ben Simmons airballing, you know, layups. 
it's really on the defensive side. And then if you look at their like backline, right? It's Claxton, it's um, you know at KD, uh, you know string beans. Let's let's call them. You know, like I think uh, the other stat is that they're last in the league on uh, on defensive rebounds. So they're just they're they're just not rebounding the ball. So like when you know, I think it's like thirty five percent of the time the off like the opposing team is getting the offensive rebound. Like, how can you they're like you have to be destroyed. so good on offense to counteract that yeah. um, when they're getting like so many second chance efforts? So I think they need to at the very least bring in some bulk, like not DeAndre Jordan, but you know, uh, you know, someone else, like even someone like a Drummond would have been helpful for them but um yeah like do they trade for purdle like would you do simmons for purdle if you were the nets like because that would probably help the hell out of them you know what i mean like that would solidify their defense shore up their defensive rebounds get them some offensive rebounds which are not getting anything of um i don't know if um if the spurs would do that but i think i would getting simmons on a like you know multi-year you know uh, you know a couple of years under contract and in a situation where he doesn't really have a lot of pressure compared to like, you know, it's not the spotlight like like he is in Brooklyn. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I haven't. I don't. I'm not really giving up on the Nets. Like, I mean, for instance, if you said to me, "Will they be in the playoffs?" Yeah, I would still yeah. say yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. If I said they could West Conference Championship um, game. Yeah. Would you say they're in the play-in? What's that? Sorry. Would you say they're going to be in the play-in though? Instead of playoffs. playoffs. If you said to me, like, I, like I think they'll be in the in the in the playoffs. So like, either winning the play-in to get into the playoffs, or just finishing in the top six. Like, I would still, I would still put them in that in that range for like where do they finish the season? So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really thinking they get worse. I'm thinking they get better. Um, uh, you know, contrary to what you were saying, uh, Mark. Yeah, I think I, they're probably on the borderline of that play-in playoff mix, uh-huh. like six or seven. I sprinkle a little cash on them to uh, be in the play-in, um, for sure, okay. because I, I just think that that could really, really fall apart. It could fall apart so much where they're just like, "All right, we found a uh, we found a rebuild. Like we're gonna go rebuild with um, send Kevin Durant to I don't know. Like is the Aiton situation in Phoenix still a, a, a problem or not? I I don't know." It, would they entertain you know like taking on Brandon Ingram and some some of the the mini picks that the Pelicans have? Um, would you trade Brandon Ingram for KD? And as the because you'd have to be Ingram plus like a couple of firsts, right? Yeah, like, it'd have you, to be a handful of those like Lakers that? first. Yeah, I probably would. Oh no, I'm not giving up that Lakers first. Absolutely not. I reckon the Pals are looking pretty. Oh, really? They look like, great. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you mess with the Pelicans. I would um, if I'm if I'm looking long term, right? I'm 100 percent just sitting on what I have with my Pelicans and just going, right? Because they could end up having like a number one, number two pick um, in the next like three years, right? Some of those are un- completely unprotected. Yeah, yeah and I then think, like, uh, yeah, go on, man. Sorry, I was just gonna say, yeah, I, I think like the Pelicans, if Zion's healthy. Um, like they could honestly contend this year. Um, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but they're, they're sneakily like one of the deepest teams in the league. Um, they've got superstar 
power with with Zion Williamson. Like he's he hasn't even you know hit his strides yet. Um, they've now got good shooting around him. Um, like I, I don't I don't think you mess with that unless unless it's like a, a Ingram for KD straight swap. Um, like sure, it's an upgrade. But yeah, I think I think if you've got to, if you've got to start adding like Lakers picks to it, which could honestly be like. You talk about um, you know worst teams and tanking teams in the league. Like the Lakers are not trying to tank, and they're still they're tanking. Um, they're still this bad. Um, they don't have their picks, so they they could get you know. What if you throw in Victor Wembanyama on this team? Um, yeah, I don't I don't think you'd, you'd be doing that if you're the Pelicans. Oh no, I wouldn't. Well, maybe if you're Diana, you would you would trade Ingram. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true. I, I personally. I think it's like Simmons is the one that'll go, and they'll get. They won't get much for him, you know. Like his trade values in the in the in the toilet at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think something like a Pirtle for a Simmons would make that's, sense. That's a nice one. I don't, I don't mind that one there. Yeah, good yeah. Uh, It'd have to be Pirtle and some other stuff because of the, right, the uh, salaries. So, but like it'd be McDermott, McDermott and Pirtle maybe. That'd give you some. That'd be decent trade for Nets, at least. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, obviously, then Katie has to buy in and staying, right? So then that is positive. Like, I, I'm not getting rid of KD for anything, and fantasy-wise, right? Like, that guy is just too damn good. But, like, Kyrie? Yeah, I don't, uh, especially, like, we can talk about his injury history as well, but, like, just Kyrie being Kyrie. Um, if you can get a one-for-one, one, like, a kind of a, a like-for-like, uh, like, a if you can get, like, a Devin Booker, for Kyrie, like I, even though Kyrie's you know, ranked a little bit higher than him, I'm okay with that. I'd like to have Dejounte Murray other than Kyrie. Like I'd like to get away from Kyrie, just uh, just in general. I don't Personally, know. I'd, be, I'd, I'd be on the other side of that trade. I'd, I'll take yeah. Kyrie. I, I reckon he's going to finish like top oh, five. Nice. We Could might have ourselves a deal if I had Kyrie in any league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got him. I, I drafted him over all of those players um, in in most spots. The only time I think I, I drafted Dejounte Murray over Kyrie. In the uh, FBI World Cup, uh, I, I very much heavily considered it, um, but I took I took Dejounte over him because I picked Halliburton first, and I was trying to do something a bit different. I went with a punt point strategy, and um, I wanted his assistant steals. But I think that Kyrie, yeah, like I said, he's a top seven, eight player. Um, he's not yeah. injured at the moment; hasn't been injured for the last two years. He's fantastic. Um, so uh, you got yeah, thirty-six that's just me. What's that? You got thirty six points out of Dejounte today. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I love that one. No, he's he's good. I, I always had him as a top twenty guy. Um, I, uh, I didn't. I was like, uh, I, I didn't get him in any leagues because I I was like, take that third round was his value to me. Hey, I got a question for you guys. If we're if we're ready to pivot onto something Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah, hit me. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so this is this is a, a trade offer I got in a dynasty league uh, like a week ago, which I declined. But I'm really second guessing it now. But I think the same. I think it's like you could apply the same question to head like just to just to standard leagues as well. So the offer was uh, his Shea Gilgis Alexander for my Zion Williamson, just straight up. Yeah, in in dynasty, and I and I I declined that offer and now somewhat regretting it and kind of the reason I declined it was in that particular league that guy had just traded Jamal Murray and I don't know some scrub for for Shea so like in in the context of the league the value wasn't as high as Zion 
but in the context of my team, which also features Lamelo Ball, um, I probably should have gone for it. But if I think about would I do that in a just like in a in a, in a head-to-head league, I think obviously like right at this very second, yes, I would. But are we worried about Shay getting shut down? Like how real do we think that is? You know, like that. You know, come February, you know, he's got some kind of random injury. And then with Zion, kind of similar question, but not with being shut down, like can he make it through a full season without getting injured? So, like, out of those two guys, builds aside, uh, what, what do you reckon would be fair value? Builds aside, I think Shea is a better fantasy player. Um, yes. I think that if you're just looking at a non-category ranking, I think he'll always be ahead of Zion just because of the free throws. But... Um, I personally, before the injury in the preseason, I was I was personally having him as a second round guy, um, Shea that is, and I think that people get very nervous about him on the tanking thunder. Um, it depends on on when your your playoffs are. I think the later your playoffs are, the more the risk is. But he was available in the playoffs last season. I think he was like a top seven guy or something last season in, in the playoffs that ended in March. Um, so. It's very much, you, you could talk yourself into two different narratives, but from what I understand, he was legitimately injured two years ago with a uh, plantar fasciitis injury, which actually kept him out, I think, from some games in the in the offseason. Last year, he came back from, I think it was a, a knee or a hamstring injury um, around fantasy playoff time. So he was injured, then came back. So they obviously didn't hold him out for that time. Um, so for me, and, and the Thunder, especially in the Dynasty League, the Thunder are going to get sick of tanking. Um, I mean, it's only been two years, but I think if Chet was there this year, um, they would be trying to get games into this this young core that they've got. So for me, I'm probably more on that um, SGA side of things. I, if I think about it from a Dynasty point of view, who would I draft first in a Dynasty League? Um, it might be Zion, but it might be because then I'm building around him and I'm going with that punt strategy of the free throws and threes. Um, and he's just one of the more dynamic players. And it doesn't matter who they add to that team. He's always going to be the guy. Whereas in, in OKC, say they get someone like, they've already got Chet, say they get someone like Victor Weminyama on that team. Well, then he kind of he can kind of fall down that pecking order, I guess. Um, but whilst it's not likely, that that is the only fear that I would have for a dynasty league. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going Shea in both cases, redraft and Dynasty League. And simply because I like what I like to do is I like to play with all all the categories instead of having a very specific punt bill. And I think it's kinda of hard in Dynasty Leagues to have a true um punt bill because you are still maneuvering around the idea that these ha- uh, the upside of people and, you know, the youth of, of certain guys that is it's kinda of, it's a little harder to get your punt strategy correct. And Zion is such a very specific punt strategy um, that it, it really limits you uh, into a corner. And I, I that's kind of just how I like to play. I also think with the fact that there's a lot of people resting games, there's um, yeah. uh, the totals are going to, even if Shea Gilders ends up sitting or being rested or suspiciously missing some time, um, that's going to happen to a lot of the players, right? So I'm, I'm kind of like f- really trying not to factor that in any longer. And I have a feeling the Thunder are going to lose games whether Shea Gildress is playing or not, right? 
So it might not be a factor, but it might be, right? Like you might just end up in your playoffs and Shea's gone. But it's such a hard thing to predict, right? Uh, give me Shea, I guess, 100 out of 100 times. Sorry, man. You should have taken that pick. I bet you you can take that trade. Yeah. And it's really been like driven home by just watching some Thunder games and some Pals games like over the last so two good. weeks. He's, yeah, Shea's just like a maestro. Like He's, oh, he's so just, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, last season he was my guy. I was like, I, I actually was uh, targeting him in a lot of leagues. And, you know, people were overpaying for him in auction leagues. And I ended up with DeJounte Murray, so it all worked out really well. And it's like, ah, oh, he's my backup to that build of having a, a Shea Gilgis. I'll just take DeJounte Murray. And then he went crazy, right? And now Shea's going crazy. Yeah. And Zion looks, like, kind of lost half the time, if you ask me. Like, uh, defensively, offensively, offensively, like, I was watching the, the Pals-Lakers game, like, while I was in my work meeting before, and... You know, he just like smashed through Russell Westbrook, but just didn't really seem to have that awareness. So, like, I just it doesn't seem to have been on the court enough over the last couple of years. Kind of, yeah, just not really playing with intuition. And then you look at Shea, and it's like all intuition, and you know, he's just so smooth. So, might 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 revisit that trade with the, with the guy <laughs> in my league. I'll let him see this video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. Like, there's. <laughs> Actually, the first dynasty league I ever joined, and it was like random uh, American dudes, and uh, like they're all like much older. I think like in their forties and fifties, and uh, like their league started when everything was done on paper. Um, oh, that's wild. So yeah, they, yeah, there's a fair bit of like name recognition, and like when you do the rookie drafts, like some some kind of like you get weird players like falling to you, like with late picks right. and stuff. So, uh, but. Having said that, I, I really enjoy it, uh, and I don't think there's much fear that they're gonna they're gonna see this. Um, but like, just uh, another <clears throat> another player um, to talk about, um, and it's kind of from both a dynasty and a, and a redraft perspective is uh, Shaden Sharp. So I personally have really loved what I've seen from him. Um, it wasn't he passes of, the eye test. He passes the eye test big time for me. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of footage of him pre like during that draft process um you just heard that he was like bouncy and you know skillful and stuff like that and i just think he's looked phenomenal um in these first few games and then even the like the blazers not really playing rookies a lot and they're always coming off the bench you know for a year or two years like look at anthony simons didn't really get any run to like you know year four of his rookie scale contract and then yeah obviously now he's popping but like they've already got very rolling out Shaden like as a starter with Dame being out. So, you know, like I would just wouldn't be surprised if he's like a full-time starter and he turns into a stud, you know, like, you know, within I reckon next year, but even this year, I, I really think uh, I really think it looks good. But keen to hear you guys uh, what you guys think. You go ahead first, Mike. Yeah, he hundred percent like when you watch him play, you watch what he can do on the court, you're like, okay, I know that looks like an that looks like an NBA player. You know how like when you watch TNT and like the first game's like some East Coast battle, and you're like, "All right, cool." Like you know, this is a fun game. This is fun. And then the West Coast game comes on. You're like, "Oh, these guys are like way better." Like you could just immediately you could tell, like, "Oh man, they're like running around screens real bad, like way better." There's better footwork. There's uh, just a lot more fluidity to the game, right? And it's like you can see you when you watch him just play in limited minutes. Even you're like, "Oh, I notice him on the court." Like you you notice him quite immediately. Um, 
The only thing I think I worry about in the long term for Shaden Sharp, and maybe I'm being a little particular, is is those those defensive stats, right? You know, the assists. Um, if if those don't come with, then he will be a very good fantasy player, but not a great one. Yeah, I, I do think that he he profiles as probably a player who's going to be more impactful in real life than fantasy. But in saying that, sometimes you just got to, I don't know, it, it's, hard, it's a hard one, like trusting the eye test <clears throat> compared to like the statistical profile. To me, he's passing the eye test with flying colors. Um, I've been watching him in, in even redraft leagues. Um, I, I think I've said a few times that like if I'm in a deep league, as soon as the little went down, I'd be adding him just because... Um, like you said, beat up like their willingness to give him minutes early in the career. Like even someone like CJ McCollum had to wait two years before he got his opportunity. Um, same with Simons. Um, there was a lot of talk before the draft that the Trailblazers um, had like particular scouting um, guys following uh, him for a long time, and they were super high on him. Um, so they reckon that they've really struck gold here. Um, his his size, I think, is also another important thing that helps him get out onto the court because he is versatile enough to play two, three, um, maybe potentially um, down the line some some point guard minutes, um, maybe in a post Damian Lillard uh, sort of Trailblazers team. I, I think that for me, the only thing that's hesitation is is that statistical profile. He doesn't necessarily jump off the page with his assists. Um, the free throw percentage, I think, is shaky, but um, I would bet that he figures some of those things out and um, does end up becoming someone that uh, maybe someone like a like a Bradley Beal, I think, maybe is his ceiling is kind of the kind of player profile that I would view him as uh, moving that's, forward. That's pretty. Ste- that's a high ceiling. Yeah, I think he. I think he can hit it. Honestly, I, he looks really, yeah. really good. He, he does look. Good. Oh, I think- higher than that myself and i think he's got a few inches on bradley beal too like he's i think he's six six like yeah. he's quite big um and he's still he's still pretty like obviously young he'll thicken out a bit uh, yeah um i think i think bradley beal uh is uh is definitely in the wheelhouse for him i mean what you paid for Shaden sharp right who, who cares right if he turns into a, to- a standard league player immediately like this quickly in one like during this season wow that's that's an incredible haul, right? Like even if he's like 120, 130, 150, right? That's that's pretty incredible. The that those, you know, assists, steals, blocks, that's the stuff that has to appear, has to come, has to become consistent to even like approach the top fifty. But I think I trust Portland, right? Like you look at Anthony Simmons, like if is the is is a good middle ground for sharp Anthony Simmons, right? A good scorer, like who can uh, you know I guess the free throw percentage, right, probably won't be there, but a good scorer who's a who's a great starter on a on a on a very good team. Yeah, I think like maybe a bit better than um, Simon's because he he is bigger, so he can play up a position on defense. So I just think he's got more more defensive upside than Simon's. Who's a bit like a bit small and kind of uh, thin. And I don't really see him bulking up, bulking up and getting kind of bigger and yeah, probably always be a defensive liability. Whereas with uh, Sharp, I think, you know, he's he's still he's still got that propensity to kind of get a bigger body on him, which will which will help on the on the on the other side of the basketball. 
You gotta remember he's 19. <laughs> I gotta remember. Yeah, and he did play like all last year. So like, you know, those those skills that uh that we were talking about before, free throw shooting and so on, like, you know, he's probably got a little bit, you know, he's probably got a few years to ramp that up before we can really make a final judgment. Yeah, no, but I, I do think he's definitely passed the ITS for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but before we uh, kind of wrap it up, I I wanted to make sure you got all the topics you wanted to get in. And I, I wanted to just say, is there any players right now that you're like you're worried about that you're like you're seriously like, ah, man, it's very early. Like, so I, I usually don't get too worried about too much at this stage. But uh, I feel like there's a couple out there that are, I'm starting to be worried about. I guess it depends on like what you define as worry. Like, are you think they're going to be worried enough to drop, or are you worried they're going to drop in from where they are right now? Like, I did a whole video on players that I'm worried oh, about nice. recently. Uh, so uh, I've got plenty, but I think the biggest one that I'm worried about in terms of the ones that I own is uh, Clay Thompson. For me, is someone that I am definitely worried about. Um, and. Don't think I've ever drafted him until this season. And for whatever reason, I, I picked him up because I needed some points and threes. And um, yeah, I just, I think Jordan Poole's just better. And um, I know Clay is, he's been the guy and he's going to get the minutes at the moment because he has always been the guy and he's probably still a better defender. But he hasn't looked very good. Um, the efficiency is terrible. And he also just doesn't provide anything else, even when the shots are going down. So. He is someone that I'm worried about. The fact that he's probably going to rest these back-to-backs a lot. Uh, it's just a bit of a headache for me. So I am worried about Clay Thompson. Well, I think uh, Kawhi goes without saying, right? Yeah. yeah. We t- yeah. I think we spoke uh, about him before you uh, before you jumped on. Okay. Well, the other one would be maybe Embiid. Like, he's not looking like he's in game shape. Uh, he's had a couple of games out recently. Um, yeah, Sixers have not got off to a good start to the season. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that. I don't feel like the Ducks are lining up for Embiid, and I don't necessarily think he's like Ben Simmons, where you know, like negative narrative can kind of feed into his own psyche and it kind of you know perpetuates the problem. I think it'd probably be the opposite of that, where people are hating on him. It might spur him on to do better um but yeah for me Embiid's looking a bit rough uh at this point in the season I, I don't know what you guys think he looks rusty certainly yeah and I, I do think he was um off his feet for what a couple months over the summer right for plantar fasciitis well kind of that story kind of came out like ipso facto right yeah. like didn't hear anything about it and everything was was fine and then he comes out and starts playing not that good and then suddenly oh no he's got this issue so i don't know i i take that with a grain of salt honestly plantar fasciitis I mean, just, though is very it's it really fucks you up like you know i remember joakim noah had it there for a handful of years and it completely like, it just it just deteriorated him yeah shay had it obviously we were talking about yeah. him before but if you just look at his stat line though um so far through six games, 27 points, nine and a half rebounds, a three, 3.3 assists, 1.2 blocks, 53% from the field. Like that's all Joel Embiid stats. Um, the only thing that's really down is is the free throw percentage. And um, it's not even down that much. It's just because he's on such high volume um, that it's taking him way down. Um, maybe the rebounds are down slightly as well. But like, I think that, you know, it's not so far off what we would expect from him. Um, and and I think, yeah, I don't know. 
I'm not. I'm not super concerned about him personally. I would definitely be looking to get Clay off my team, but Embiid, he presents like a different problem, right? A very different problem. Where it's like, how do you get Embiid off my off your team, right? And um, without just just you know without selling incredibly low. So yeah, I I don't know if I'm worried yet, but uh, I I do think he was a little slow getting moving, but. I don't know. It's, it's a very small sample size, so I I think I I've seen Embiid play at an MVP level. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, there's a player that I'm I wouldn't say I'm worried about, but I'm I'm not giving the uh, kind of the seal of uh, approval any longer. Right? Is Evan Mobley actually? Um, and this is from the perspective of like you were saying, Mitch. What do you mean by what are you worried about? It's like if you thought Evan Mobley was going to take a leap, which I think I was in the the, the the camp that it was time for Evan Mobley. He looks like he looks really good. I think he could take a leap this year. Being on that Cleveland team behind Donovan Mitchell, behind Garland, he's averaging 10 shots a game. That leap isn't coming this year. He's still going to be great. He's still going to be, I would say, a top 50 player, right? But that that next step isn't going to come until he's more of a focal point of the offense and that might not come until one of those two until donovan mitchell's off the team which might not be for a while yeah yeah i don't think he's getting a big usage spike where i sort of thought that he might get better is in the efficiency which has happened so far um the rebounds are down a little bit um but yeah it's sort of playing out how once that trade happened, I thought it would. It, it's just his ranking is not quite reflective of that just yet because there's so much craziness still happening in the oh, NBA. Yeah. And he's uh, and, and then the 0.7 blocks difference from last year as well. Uh, so I think that will come up. But yeah, I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of more shots because of Donovan Mitchell being there. But yeah, he's putting up, you know, an extra, what is it? An extra 8% from the field. I think that's sustainable. I think obviously he's going to get less attention from the other defenses. Yeah, I I, th- so, I guess I hope I hope it keeps up, right? Like I hope he he kind of keeps up this 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 pace, but like taking that third spot on the team, we've seen you know you've seen like you think about big threes, right? Uh, two people usually eat, and the third guy takes a takes a hit. And I wouldn't call yeah. you know this team a big three whatsoever, but the third guy takes a hit, and on this team, Mobley, even though he might be the most talented player on the team uh, overall, he's. He's the third guy. He's the third guy on offense. Yeah, he's yeah. the third guy on offense. Sometimes the fourth guy, depending on what Karis Levert wants to do. Um, <laughs> Depends on how many shots he wants to take tonight. I want, I want to throw one more guy out there on, yeah. um, that I'm worried about that you might not conventionally think you should be worried about. But I think I'm worried about Jonas Valanciunas. Um, he's actually ranking really, really well. But I'm worried about his minutes. And I'm worried about um, some of the rotations that I've seen from the Pelicans and their... Um, guess uh, being okay going small and also going defensive minded to close games I've, I've seen a few instances where they've closed with um uh other centers on on, on the court um without a center uh, like a larry nance jr sometimes comes in there and closes because of his defense um so i i, I actually am a little worried about Jonas valanciunas and I've, I've labeled him a bit of a, a sell high because his ranking is still really good i think what is he ranked uh, like top 30 or something still. Um, but I think that that is a bit misleading. I think that's a, that's a good one because you could kind of convince or maybe even, you know, slip in the hint that it's like, 
Well, he's doing he's doing this on only twenty six minutes per game. Wow, that's yeah. man. Yeah. That's what really if it goes good. up? Wow, I yeah. mean, it's only gonna go up. He played twenty eight last year, right? Like, no, he played thirty last year. Oh man, that's pretty good. Yeah, he had a thirty and seventeen game. Like, just yeah. just put him to that game. Um, but I, I just don't think that we're gonna see much more of that. And I think obviously, like Trey Murphy is someone that I'm really high on, but it's pretty obvious how bloody good he is um, and how good he fits with a player like Zion, who obviously is their cornerstone. So yeah. um, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about JV. Yeah, I think it's the Nance factor um, yeah. that makes me the most worried, just um, seeing how much kind of better he fits on those closing lineups. And uh, I think uh, a trend where they're sharing more minutes is, 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 uh, is what I foresee there. So but having said that, I still I I kind of I'm worried about JB falling from 30 back to 50, 60. But that's kind of where you drafted him, right? So like uh, you know, if you drafted him at 55 and he's at 30 now, and ultimately he ends up at 50 or 60, you know, not not too much of a big deal. Um, but yeah, I definitely I definitely see your point. Like I, I think he's I think he's not the optimal closer for for the Pelicans, and that will hurt him overall. And you likely drafted him for a reason, right? You, you didn't draft him to go to break out or to be like a, a big deal uh, this season mm. and take a leap or something like that. You drafted him for those rebounds. Yeah. Uh, I can give you guys one more. Sure. Um, I guess we've got to wrap it up. But what yeah. about Anthony Edwards? Oh. A good one. Hmm. Um, he's not returning second round value. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but he could, be, he could be still top 35, I, I think. Um, so I guess it's that perspective. I never had him as a second round guy. I think I had him as a as a third round player. Um, the efficiency is probably the killer from the free throw line, especially. But he still throw. He still shows the flashes, man. Like he, this guy is so talented. Um, he just needs to, he just needs to put it together consistently, uh, which obviously is the name of the game. But um, yeah, I don't. I think people might were getting too excited. I can understand why people get excited, but I think maybe it's that. You're too early for, for Anthony Edwards, like we were saying before, um, for him as a second-round guy where he was getting drafted a lot of places. Yeah, people were way too excited about Anthony Edwards. I think we said it a lot here on the on our podcast. The, uh, I mean, I had him as, like, a late, like, I think a late third-ish uh, player as well because, like, w- when you looked at it, it's like, where where was he going to get better? He's already playing 34 minutes a game. The percentages probably aren't going to go up. He's probably going to shoot more, hit shoot more free throws at a you know at a 78 percent. he's not doing that even now it'd have to be in the blocks in the the rebounds and the assists those things would have to come up and they're kind of you know the rebounds are up that's nice but everything else is kind of where where it was right so um will he return the same value as he did last season i'm gonna wager yes because where where else are they going on that team he's the he's the alpha on that team you know what I mean? Like where, where else are they going? Um, but if you, if you thought it, it was leap time for Anthony Edwards, I think, yeah, you should be worried. I think it's hilarious that his rebounds have gone up with Gobert. Coming yeah. On it doesn't make um, any sense whatsoever. It was like the exact opposite of what we thought. But it probably will uh, be in the long term, right? It probably will be. Yeah. Well, I actually think, you know, it's obviously Gobert coming onto the team. That's kind of, uh, muted his upside to a certain degree because I think what we're seeing happen is, you know, Carl Anthony Towns taking more of those playmaking responsibilities and less of those like yeah. traditional 
kind of like center responsibilities. You know, he was doing a bit of it before, but he's doing a lot more of it now. It also seems and, like they don't know what to do with that, right? Like he's out there being like that kind of center of the the offense of the playmaker. And it just kind of, if when I watch it, it looks awkward. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And Towns having the ball more obviously means um, Edwards has it less, um, even though he might be the better playmaker. Um, yeah, they, they really having a hard time figuring that out uh, at the moment. And you're seeing like choppy performances across the board on that Timberwolves team. I, like I hope, I mean, they're well coached. Um, they've got good management in place. So you'd like to think that they figure it out. But uh, for the time being, it might just be a battle of the egos with um, Anthony Edwards kind of down on the pecking order a bit. I don't know, man. I'm taking Anthony Edwards' ego over everybody else's. <laughs> I think quietly it's probably the biggest, but he's probably taken that little bit of a back step to the, the Twin Towers at the moment. He's still, he's still averaging more points, um, the same amount of threes, more rebounds, more assists. Um, the same amount, he's shooting better from the Shots field. Um, the shots are up. Like The only real big difference is that he's not getting – he's getting 0.3 less steals um, and he's shooting – 15% worse from the free throw line uh, and, and a few more turnovers. So like that free throw percentage, if that can come back to even just what he did last year, like the sort of high seventies, um, he's definitely a top 40 guy in my opinion. So I don't think it's panic panic, but like I said, I don't think you're getting that second round value where you drafted him. Yeah. And that's I, actually, I, I kind of talk about how like that 45 to 65, 70, you know, it is this kind of plateau of really good players. Like there's a bunch of really good players who live in this plateau they're all kind of overall like the same like group of players are all pretty good. Um, they're all ranked very close to each other. When you look at a Z score, you look at a total score, right? Um, and it's little like increments like that, where, where all of a sudden your free throw is, you know, more than 10% worse. Uh, your steals go from 1.5 to one that does drop you from 44 to, you know, to 80, right? That comes back up. You're back That's up huge. to 44, but that that 80 to 40 is basically the same leap you would take from go to like 40 to like 30. And it, yeah. Anthony Edwards getting to that 30 space, uh, the space that like, you know, it took, I always think about when I think about like that crawl up the, the ladder, I think about, I directly think about Bradley Beal because he was a guy who lived in that plateau area and he got a little bit better. And he got a little bit better. And he got a little bit better. And he would claw, he was like calling his way up into that top 25. And it took a like it took a lot. It took a really long time. And if you gain five ranks in the top thirty, that's that's a huge uh, leap uh, versus gaining five ranks right off of variance in that kind of sub fifty range. Yeah, not for sure. Well, I think that's. I mean, I think that's it for the roundtable. We uh, we went a good amount of time. I appreciate you uh, hanging out, talking with us, um, Mitch. Or is it all? It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. Um, Mitch, where can people find you on Twitter, YouTube? Plug away. Yeah, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at BallBoysNBA. Uh, find me on uh, YouTube, uh, Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Uh, same thing for all your podcasts, Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Uh, yeah, just chuck me a follow on Twitter. Make sure you head over to the YouTube channel. We've got a few podcasts. We're trying to release at least three a week at the moment. Um, just moved house, so the, the order's been a bit out of place. But, uh, yeah, we're getting up uh, lots of pods and lots of content at the moment. So hit us up over there. Beautiful. And B-Dubs, uh, same with you. Where, where can everybody find you? 
Uh, yeah, my, my Twitter handle is uh, at HiddenUpside. And, um, yeah, I'm obviously from Fantasy Basketball International. That's at FBI Basketball. And then, yeah, we got on YouTube as well. It's um, at FBI Basketball, or you can just search for Fantasy Basketball International. Yeah, man, everybody's on YouTube. I should, maybe I should uh, just port these out to YouTube, see if that, that works out. Uh, but we appreciate you. Yeah, well, let, me know if you want, uh, let me know if you want, like, a, a powwow about how to set it up. Oh yeah, I would love that. That would that'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, awesome. I'm um, appreciate you guys joining us here for the uh, fantasy basketball roundtable with watching the boxes. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll be here next week, Wednesday, 10 p.m. Central Time. Um, which is, uh, by the way, it's so late to accommodate our good friends in Australia. So I'm glad we got a handful of them in here today. Um, and that's it. We'll see you next time. Stay safe. Easy, man. Easy. Thanks for joining. All right, let's catch you later. See you guys.